Today's guest on episode nine of Keeping It a Hundo is Jesus Zeus Hernandez. I met Zeus playing ball. We've known each other for about 10 years. But this isn't a story about basketball. Zeus was actually a football player. But this isn't a football story or a basketball story. This is a story of the American dream about what can happen if someone gives you an opportunity. I hope you listen in deep Trump. I went down to Coral Gables to do this podcast with him in the rough gated community of Cocoa Plum. He's always positive. I learn something from him every time we talk. So you might want to grab a pen, take some notes. You might learn something today. I learned you shouldn't always be the smartest person in the room. And it's okay to admit if you still have a crush on Britney Spears. Make sure you continue to download and subscribe and leave some comments. Let me know what your favorite episode's been so far. It's interesting to see which episode really resonates. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Keeping It a Hundo. It's a good one. This is episode nine with Zeus Hernandez. epitome of the American dream. Zeus Hernandez and his mother Idalia immigrated to the U.S. in 1980. They boarded a boat in Cuba at the Mariel Boat Lift. It's a part of American history now. It changed the city of Miami forever. It also gave a young boy an opportunity. And as you'll learn today, Zeus is a person who seizes opportunities. He maximizes opportunities. Florida State gave him an opportunity when he walked on the football team and he became all ACC first team and won a national championship there. When injuries cut short his career, he was given another opportunity and he got involved in the medical field and he turned himself into a multimillionaire. He went from Alapata to Cocoa Plum. And if you don't know what that means, you can figure it out. The first time I ever flew on a private jet was with Zeus. And most importantly, he's got an opportunity to do something that his father didn't do, and that's raise his kids. Zeus is married, he has two boys, and his dream was to be the father that he never had, and he's doing that. This podcast is dedicated to Donald Trump. I know D. Trump listens to keeping it a hundo while he's doing his hair or laying in the tanning bed. So President Trump, I give you an immigrant story. This is episode nine of Keeping It a Hundo with Zeus Hernandez. Welcome to Keeping It a Hundo. Keeping It a Hundo. This is uh, Jesus Hernandez, better known as Zeus. I've known Zeus for about 10 years now. Been playing ball with him. How does an offensive tackle that grew up in, where, Alapata? Alapata, yeah. Alapata. Played at Florida State. How do you end up in the nursing business? Well, um, I happened to meet a friend uh, maybe 2000, uh, working out, and he basically asked me for a spot, and we kind of hit it off. And he was in the health business, and he had a mobile doctor's office, and uh, he gave me the idea to start a medical equipment company, uh, which is called a DME. At the time, uh, I didn't even know what a DME stood for, so I kind of Googled it. I had a couple bucks left from a car accident that I got into a couple years before that. And with that, I got started in 2002. 
And that's your startup money. And that was a startup money, yeah, that's that I got. Let's go back to the beginning of everything. You had uh, a pretty circuitous route from Cuba to Miami to Tallahassee now into the home nursing business. You were born in Cuba? I was born in Cuba. I was born in Cuba in 1971. Uh, my mom and I decided to leave Cuba in 1980. In Mario Litos. In the Mario boat lift. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Jimmy Carter, for uh, opening the doors for us. Uh, we got here with nothing. Basically, a set of clothes on our back. Um, they gave us a new set when we landed in Key West. Uh, then after that, you know, my mom basically went to work. At that time, I was eight. And you remember the boat lift? I remember, remember the yeah, I remember the boat lift. Was it was it crazy? Was it? It was it was pretty crazy. The conditions uh, on the boat. Yeah, we're talking about you know probably a 40, 50 footer with maybe like eighty or ninety people in it. Uh, I remember the waves. I recall you know a boat leaving before us. We were supposed to be in, and my mom actually gave them the go ahead, a family to go before us because they had a kid who had special needs, and she thought that he should get here before us. She gave up your spot. She gave up our spot. And it was yeah. just the two of you. It was just the two of us, and that boat never made it. Wow. So, so I the wasn't even, boat. the entire boat went down. Because when you cross, you know, it's only 90 miles, but you got to cross the Gulf of Mexico. And there's times of the year when it gets really rough. We came at, we left uh, the Maria boat lift at, at midnight. So basically, we didn't get to Key West till about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. So that boat just basically never made it. It was a capsized and uh, never, no one was ever found. So that was supposed to be us. So yeah, so it, it started like that. Um, my mom got here. She went to work. Uh, never asked the government for help. Uh, I, I started here in the fourth grade. Had to learn English. Where were you guys living? In Miami Beach. Got bullied a lot for not knowing the language. Got made fun of. Um, Did you it, have any family here yet? Anybody no, here? You we guys had didn't no one. Know we didn't know anyone. It was just her and I. So she worked at the airport. She was working double shifts. I would stay home alone at eight years old. But, you know, then things started taking uh, place. Uh, we moved to Alapata, what's now known as Wynwood. Uh, you know, if you know Wynwood now, you're like, oh, wow, look at this place. But yeah. it wasn't like that when I was growing up there. When I it was used growing to be up called there. Dominican Town. Yeah, Puerto Rican. That's where Roberto Clemente Park is at. Yeah, yeah. So it was full of gang members. Um, you know, that's where I grew up, uh, full of drug dealers. It was rough. It was rough. But, you know, it kind of made me who I am today. So what type of stuff were you into as a kid? Were you into sports? Uh, yeah, were we were always streets? outside. I mean, I lived outside. She had to come get me. Uh, it was Everybody was always outside. As soon as you woke up, you went outside. That's how you it was played football. Yeah, you played football, tag. You know, funny story. I tell my little brother and I used to tell my friends in college. What we did at Florida State was one of the things that we did was jump rope. You know, for a minute. Let's see how long you could jump. Well, we used to do that for fun in my neighborhood. Not realizing that I was becoming a good athlete because I played jump rope. Things like that, you know, playing tag, chasing, racing, you know, playing quarterback, playing receiver. Even though I was overweight, I would play receiver. Helps so with your agility. All, all those things that I did, you know, when I was a kid, because I was always outside, made me a better athlete. Yeah. It's funny, back then, you could be out all day playing with your friends and nobody worried about hydrating or hydrating. Know, sunscreen. I'm not sure that like word that. was around back nobody then. Nobody cared. You'd go all, 12 hours without drinking water. You were fine. Water. Nuts. <laughs> so you had to go to a detention center in Kansas first? Oh, I did. Actually, we skipped that part. So when I got off the boat, when we got off the boat, they took us to Kansas. And now one of the things that Fidel Castro did, he let out a lot of Cubans. But what he did also was he emptied out his jails and he emptied out all the psych wards. Right. So now here we are, family, you know, 
mom, kids, dads in the same complex with convicted criminals, crazies. Right. I mean, absolutely and people sick. Are crazy. People that are like very sick, very sick. sick. And we were there for 30 days, so I saw a lot. I mean, I saw as an eight-year-old, I saw people get stabbed with plastic forks, with plastic knives. You it's know, basically like being in prison. It, it was it was exactly like being in prison. Yeah. You know what? Now that you say that, it was exactly like being in mm-hmm. prison. You know, we lived in a in a barrack, and in that barrack was everybody. And you're on lockdown. Man. And yeah, we're on lockdown. There's fences around. So you know, I never, Matt, I never thought about it. <laughs> yeah. As far as that being in jail, that's exactly what it was. We were in jail with a bunch of Sounds criminals. Sounds like it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But that's exactly what it was like. You mentioned how it was a lot of prisoners and mentally ill people, things like that. There was a lot of blue collar workers, so they kind of helped fill positions in in the job market in Miami. That was kind of a big thing. Is that the Cubans that came over filled some lower level jobs. And that kind of created uh, dissension with lower income or lower middle class people in Miami kind of started a lot of the issues or continued a lot of the issues between blacks and Cubans in Miami. I know that was one of the issues because back in 59, when the first wave came over, when Cuba was going through their revolution, when Castro took over, there's a lot of doctors and lawyers and, and educated people. This time around, it was a little different. Well, you know, the thing about Cubans, you know, we're known, we're known, and I'm not just saying this because I'm Cuban, but we're known as hard workers. We know there's a, there's a lot of entrepreneurship, you know, with the Cubans, but they were hard workers. So when the, everyone first got here, obviously they took whatever job they could, but then they realized, okay, here you can do whatever you want. So all of a sudden, all these Cubans started popping up little businesses. Like my mom owned the cafeteria for 17 years. In Little Havana? It, it, uh, well, it, no, it was in Alapata. Oh, right okay. on 36th Street. It was three blocks away from my high school that I went to Jackson High. And, you know, she had 15, 16 stools for, I don't know, 16, 17 years. And that's how she fed me. That's how she fed our family. And, you know, the same people uh, came there for breakfast and lunch every single day. And, you know, they didn't come for the food or for the cafeteria. It came for my mom. Yeah. Because they wanted to see my mom. Because mm-hmm. my mom was like, if you ever seen the show Cheers where they insult you as soon as you walk in the door. Well, that was kind of my mom. Yeah. So when they would walk in, they were looking for my mom to do something like that. But what was interesting about my mom, which I think I learned a lot from understanding not to treat everybody the same, she had her customers that were looking for her politeness. But then she had her customers that were looking for her rudeness. So yeah. I kind of studied that. Yeah. And I watched her, how she treated everybody different. Different people are motivated in different ways. Correct. And that, you know, that taught me a lot of I think life skills, I think, I think if you learn how to serve, so watching my mom serve, working behind the cafeteria along with her for years, like when she would go out of town, when I after school, if you can serve, you can make it in this world because you're, you're basically uh, understanding what the person wants before they even ask for it. So I'll give you an example, I will see people come in and she knew the one guy only ate with a spoon. So as soon as she sat down, the guy had a spoon and he liked his water without a straw. Or the guy who came in that my mom would give him a beer, but we didn't have a beer license. And then all of a sudden she would put it in a plastic cup because, yeah. you know, the guy knew that he couldn't have a beer. But if he wanted a beer, he had to drink it from a plastic cup. So I watched all these things growing up and I just kind of understood that life was about understanding what the other person wants. Understanding how to make them happy, you know, whether it was talking to them a certain way, whether it was feeding them a certain way. So a lot of my life skills, I think from being in that cafeteria day in and day out, I've learned. So your mother believed in the American dream. She definitely That's believed in the American dream. And a lot dream. of Cubans did. Yeah, she, she wanted better for me. You know, we've, you know to, be, to get your eight-year-old kid, put him on a boat, and come to a country that you have no idea, 
not only not only are you desperate for a better life for yourself, but you want your kid to have a better life, and that's why she left. You know, and that's why I take care of her today. I wouldn't you're, be here. You're a testament to the great job that she did raising you. That wouldn't have been possible in Cuba. What, no. what you've got out of this no life, none, none of that would have been possible in Cuba there's no opportunity over there yeah you know nothing I got a funny story my brother hardcore Democrat he went to Cuba uh, two months ago he came back a Republican Wow he said I'm done yeah I'm done believing in government I'm done thinking that government should control things I mean he literally came back a Republican as much as he hates mr. Trump and whatever he yeah, says yeah. I'm done he says I am a Republican now I believe in, you know, being able to own your own business, you know, calling your own shots, mm -hmm. working as hard as you want and make as much money as you want. Because what I saw over there, it's not fun. That's some extreme democracy over there. Correct. Have you been back to Cuba? I have not been back. I'm planning on going back this year. Um, I was advised not to go for so long. Just, yeah. You know, go for like a day or two. I know. I know you've been. Yep, yep. I think you've been in every part of the world. <laughs> so I, Working I, I on follow it. you uh, on Instagram, which I think is so cool. I'm not a big traveler. I kind of. Oh, you have a family. You're I have a family. Yeah, and I'm. I'm just. I guess maybe I'm lazy, or maybe I'm just in love with my life. You know, sometimes people take vacations to get away from their life, but my life is a vacation. I love my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Some people are thinking about how do I get out of here? No, I, I. I like being in my house. I like my life the way it is. I like going to my gym. I like playing my basketball. I like working out. I like all these things that doesn't really make me feel like I need to get away from them. It's funny you say you call it a vacation. I never call my trips vacations because I'm not getting away from anything either. I agree with you on that. I, to me, it's more um, it's something I'm like proactively doing. I'm exploring. I'm learning. Things, I'm, yeah. yeah, it's a little different, I think, for me. It um, is, and some people look at it that way. Yeah, you know, I just have. But I, I hate getting away too and missing basketball on the weekends and missing workouts. <laughs> and we've talked about how you eat different. You're yeah. like, how do you stay in shape when you travel? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you do that because when I'm on vacation, it's about eating. Yeah. It's all about eating for me. Oh, that's number one for me, definitely. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Jackson High. Wow. You went to Jackson and Alapata. Jackson High. All black high school, pretty much. Pretty much. It was it was tough. It was tough. You had to, you had to be tough to go to Jackson High. Um, it helped that I played football. It helped that at the time I was there, I was over 300 pounds. I got up to as high as 317. When did you start playing football? I started playing football actually in 10th grade. Okay. There, was a, there was a guy named uh, James Puppy, right? Yeah. Who went to West Virginia. And um, believe it or not, this guy cheated off me. He was the only dummy that ever cheated off me. <laughs> I can't believe this guy. But it was Spanish class, so he felt safe cheating oh, off that's me. safe. That's and safe. Uh, he's like, Yo, you got to come out. You got to come out, play football. And I've been playing Sandlaw football for my entire life. So I've been, you knew the game and you liked the game. I knew the game. I liked the game. I already, I was already, I already had the intensity of, you know, go, you know, go kill to be killed. So when I, was, when I went out there, it was sort of a natural thing to hit. And the coaches were like, wow. Now, I had a hard time, you know, remembering the plays and, you know, going through the basic fundamental things. But once I got that, I think once I was able to control my temper, my anger and play offensive alignment, which is not defense alignment, you have you have to be under control. So once I was able to control all these things, I was able to put it all together. And that's when I started evolving as a football player, you know, because you have to you have to be in control when you play offensive alignment. And when did you realize you could maybe play at the next level you or know, go to school to do it, go to college? When I, when I was a senior, it's like you think about it, but you really don't know. Like you just, It's like a big dream because no one in your neighborhood 
has done it. No one in your family has done it. So you hear about it, but it's almost like a fantasy. And then my senior year, uh, you know, we went one and nine. Uh, I didn't even take my SATs. No one even advised me to take my SATs or ACTs. Then James Puppy Wright, his name comes up again. He had gone to Valley Forge Military Academy the year before that, you know, his senior year because he was too old to play. So now he comes back. He's my boy. He's like, Zeus, the coaches got film and they want you to go to Valley Forge. And I'm like, what? And of course, he didn't tell me other things that were going on at Valley Forge. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. You know, the whole military thing is a piece of cake. Well, it wasn't a piece of cake. But so I took a chance and I ended up going to Valley Forge Military Academy to do a postgrad. It was tough. But I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for Valley Forge. Valley Forge basically broke me down. I mean, they broke me down and built me back up. So when I got to Valley Forge, I was 317. I basically, they had, to, they had to sew two uniforms to put on me. And I was just rebellious. I was so rebellious. You know, I was from the hood. I thought I had all the answers. I was gangster. The truth is that I was gangster. I grew up in the hood around gangs. Like, I just thought that, you know, no one could mess with me. I had this attitude about me. I wasn't used to studying, so they basically just broke me down and built me back up. You didn't have a lot of discipline. You didn't have a father. Zero. No. Your mother was at work all yeah, day. Yeah, I, I pretty much did what I wanted. Um, and then when I got there, you know, you have these kids that have been there for years with rank that was telling you what to do. I had a really tough time with that. Um, you know, I, I, I met, you know, white people for the first time. Um, I heard the word spick for the first time. The little Mexican dudes came up you to me. You didn't even know what it meant. They were like... Hey, I'm like, why are you crying? He's like, well, they call me a spick. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And the guy goes, patron. That means like, you know, using the N word. I'm like, what? What I what I did then, I told uh, all the little Mexican guys, since they all used to have parents with, with money, <laughs> they would get care packages. I said, look, I'm gonna watch your back. I'm gonna make sure that nobody calls you a spick again. If they do, you tell me. <laughs> so they would bring me their care packages, and like, you know, that's how I was able to get by over there. But, you know, I got, ex I got exposed to a lot of things, but they broke me down. I, you know, we had study hall for two hours a day. At the beginning, I wasn't studying, but the time was going by slow. It was just, I was just sitting there looking at the wall for two hours every night. And then finally, you know, I started reading and I started studying. And then, you know, we started taking tests in class. And I'm like, well, these tests are a joke. Well, the tests weren't a joke. I was just studying for the first time in my life. So and I was, was like, wait a second. <laughs> Look at this. You study and this become easy. So it taught me how to study, taught me how to say yes, sir, no, sir. Um, and that was kind of basically what I needed it to take my game to the next level. Kind of that discipline and understanding that I can't just go around acting like a gangster all my life because it's not going to happen. It's not going to work for me. So that gave me an opportunity to, you know, be able to go to Florida State. But that was also another story there I didn't just get a scholarship I had to walk on before we get there before you went to military school you were you were getting into some trouble were you getting into real trouble were you getting you, you know, know with the police and stuff you know or? I never got it's funny enough I, I did enough things to get in real trouble yeah I just never got caught yeah, yeah it was it was almost like one of these things that we would go out and do things and they wouldn't happen when I was there then the day I didn't show up it would happen for the guys yeah. so it wasn't it was almost like it wasn't meant for me then when football started getting serious, a lot of the guys didn't want me to get in trouble. So they would kind of keep me out of the trouble. Um, but I definitely, we're not looking for it plenty of times. I just thank God that, you know, never, never found me. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you didn't get offered a scholarship out of Valley Forge. It's not even like a small D1 school. No, no, I did not. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Um, it was just, it's a weird situation. Really can't explain it. So how do you choose to walk on at Florida State instead of Miami? So 
I tried to walk on in Miami. They told me they couldn't get me in. So okay. I was at Moore Park. There was a, there was a guy there. I named, still work out at Moore Park. Oh, you still do. There yeah. was a guy named there, Duliak, who um, played defensive line for us, who played for Edison the year before that. So he's at the track. And I start running. So he comes up to me. He's like, man, who are you? So I'm like, you know, Jesus, Zeus, whatever. It's like, I've never seen a big guy move like this. Right. So literally, he walks away, calls Coach Amato, who was our defensive coordinator, assistant Chuck Amato, and says, hey, there's a guy here in Miami you need to look at. So Coach Amato happened to know our principal, and they talked to each other, and then they tried to figure out a way how to get me to Florida State. Well, they couldn't get me in, but Coach Amato said, okay, we can't get him in here, so we're going we're gonna to try to get him into a school called Itawamba in Mississippi. It's a junior, oh, yeah, it's yeah. A junior college. So... I take, a, I take a bus drive all the way to Inawamba, Mississippi. I have no idea where that's at. By the way, I didn't even know what Florida State was at this time. I had no idea who Bobby Bobby was. Yeah. So then I get to Itawamba, and uh, I'm sitting there. First two days, we go through practice. You know, I'm hitting everything. I'm doing well. And then all of a sudden, around 10 o'clock at night, the coaches walk in and say, Zeus, you know, pack your stuff. What do you mean, pack my stuff? I thought I was getting kicked out of school. He says, no, you're going to Florida State. And then everybody went crazy, but... I didn't know what Florida State was. Yeah. All I knew was Miami. The Canes, Canes, Canes. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea about Florida State. I didn't understand what was happening. And the guys were like, man, you're going to the number one school in the country. I'm like, what? So there I was on the bus heading to Florida State. Did they figure out a creative way to take care of your tuition and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. So, well, the first, no, the first year, um, they, they told me, don't worry about it. We'll get you student loans. So the first year, I had to get student loans and financial aid. I, I paid them back, so I All had right. to. All right. <laughs> Um, that interest is a bitch. Yeah, so <laughs> so I ended up uh, getting some loans that first year, and uh, you know it, it, I got there and I remember walking into that lunchroom and seeing all these humongous human beings and saying to myself, "Oh my god, I'm I might, have to block this guy." Yeah, I, I, <laughs> said, I might never play here. Like this is crazy, but you know the streets kicked into me, the survival mode kicked into me. You know I shaved my head before I even got there. Like, I was ready. And the first day we put on pads, they saw this, this attitude, this, this tiger of just not scared of anybody, just fighting. And they were like, okay, you need to calm down, <laughs> right? You're going to be okay. We're telling you you're going to be okay. This is what's going to happen. We're going to redshirt you, okay? We need you to stay out of trouble for a whole year. And then go to scout team and prove yourself. And go to class. Go to class, do all the things. So I did everything I had to do my first year. I got scout, you know, scout team player of the year. I mean, I was going hard, you know, and the scout team didn't like that. You know, the defense I didn't like it. that. The older guys appreciated it. And every time one guy would be like, hey, Zeus, you know, stop being, stop trying to be a scout team All-American. Mm -hmm. One of the other dudes would be like, hey, this man's trying to own, earn a scholarship. That's All right. He He's seen. doing his thing, you know. Yeah. So I, I had some guys that would complain, but the other guys like bring it on. I would have the senior guys call me out like, hey, I want to go against Zeus. Because I know he's going to get me better. Yep. So I built that reputation. And Coach Amato, obviously, I was with him my first year because we're in the office of the scout team. So we hang out with the defense alignment. And he just, he couldn't stop raving enough about the effort I put every day in practice. While everybody else was going half speed, I was going full speed. I was ready to get on hidden drills, blocking. I did whatever it took because I knew that everybody was watching. So right after that first year, um, Coach Scott, who ended up getting the head coaching job at South Carolina said to me, hey, this summer, we're going to go out or the spring, we're going to no, the summer, we're going to go out and we need one office alignment. If I can't find somebody better than you in the country, I'm going to give it to you. 
So right before the summer ended, it's like, hey, we're going to give you a scholarship. So that was pretty cool, you know. Um, so I finally got a scholarship uh, my freshman, my redshirt freshman year. Oh, that's great. I didn't know you ended up getting a scholarship. Yep, I did. Good stuff. Um, before we get back to more of that Florida State stuff, what was it like growing up in Miami in the 80s? You got crack. You got, you know, the drug capital of the U.S. or the world. You, know, you got Miami Vice, Uncle Luke. You know, I don't think I've ever told this to anybody, but I grew up in a house where my father was a drug dealer. Ever. Never told this to anyone, but it's fine. Uh, it was like... Like a stepfather? It was, yeah, it was a stepfather. And, you know, he was in and out of jail. He actually died in jail. While my mom and him were together, he probably went to jail a good six times. At least. So it was like... It was just a way of life for me. It, so it didn't seem like a big deal. It was just like... It's normal to you. It's normal to me. Like, you know... That's what was going on around me all the time. You know, I, I, I sat through two or three raids where the cops came and raided our house and like put me in a corner. Like, so it was like very normal. So growing up like that, you know, looking back now, it's like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I saw all these things. You know, I grew up in a house full of guns. I knew where the Uzi was. I would take a gun to school because I thought I was cool. Like, you know, I was never got caught, but I did all those things. So, but did you, did your dad know you were taking? No, nobody knew. I was sneaking out of the house. I knew there was five guns in different five hiding spots. They didn't think they didn't think I knew where they were, but I knew where they were. So I would you know, bring my friends over. We would play with the guns, and so you know, thinking about all these things, you know, it's like wow, I can't believe I did all those silly things. You know, like taking a gun to school for no reason just to be cool and showing yeah. it to my friends. Right, like, I got a gun. Look in my bag. Yeah, look in my bag. I got a gun. Yeah. Like I did all that silly stuff. You know, so growing up, you just don't realize how dumb these things were, you know. And now that I have my own kids, you know, I don't leave a gun sitting around where they can, like, <laughs> go play with it, you know. I'm sure you appreciate the value of a father at this point. You know, you're, you're a great dad and you, know you what? cherish your opportunity you know, now. I have, a, we have, uh, I'm the only child from my mom, but I have siblings from my father with other women. And we're all really tight. And what I tell them and what we tell each other is that we need to be thankful to our dad because what he taught us was what not to be like yeah, the dad. Exactly. So instead of I tell my brother and my sister and them, like, look, don't don't let's not complain about him. Let's be thankful that he wasn't there for us. Let's be thankful that he had no idea how to be a dad. Because now that we have our own kids, we know what not to do. We know we want to be completely opposite from him. We never want to be sick. We never want anyone to ever say you're like your dad. Yeah. So it's like my main goal in life is to be a good dad, to, to spend as much time as I can with them, to teach them as much as I can. Some people might say it might be too much. I don't care. I really I think you're doing care. a good job of it so far. I appreciate far. it, man. Uh, when did everybody stop calling you Zeus? You know, when I got to Florida State, uh, some of those country boys, they couldn't say, hey, Zeus. So then the Zeus kind of just stuck around. So I'm like, yeah, just leave Zeus. And then all of a sudden, everyone started calling me Zeus. So that's how Zeus became uh, the name. I always tell people I didn't name myself Zeus because everyone's like, "Oh, you name you yourself can never Zeus." Give yourself your own nickname. But I did name my my first son Zeus. He's yeah. the real deal. Z e u s. He's the real deal. He's not Jesus. No, he's not Jesus. Oh, he's I always thought Zeus. He was Jesus. No, he's Zeus Aligned Hernandez. He's the real deal. Okay, he's got a lot to live for. I try to name all my kids like Goddess name, but my wife wouldn't let me. So he he took your your first name, yeah, Aligned, he, as a and middle, that's name. middle name. Yeah, I like that. When you were old enough to stop partying in Miami. Where were you hanging out? You were you on South Beach? Oh, when I was old enough, at the Grove. Uh, like, yeah, what was no, going on back then? I wasn't was in Miami bit, yet. It was a little bit of both. When I when I got back from college, I started going out South Beach, 
then the Grove was kind of cool back then, but it was more it was more South Beach. Um, that's when the club scene was really happening. It was a it was a early the late '90s, so the dot coms were booming. There was a lot of money coming from New York. People were partying. That's when the clubs became really famous. So that was that was when I first got down here. So that you're looking at like level and crowbar. Yeah, crowbar, all those places. Those yeah, spots. yeah. You know, that's, I, that's when you know the house music started coming around. Yeah, and everybody was into hip hop. And I remember my roommate was like, uh, he worked at a place called Chaos. And he's like, oh, you got to come check out this Chaos place. And I'm like, why? It's like, oh, there's nothing but models here. But then I walked in and I heard the music, and I'm like, dude, I can't do this. He goes, hey, you're gonna have to put up with it. And sure enough, I fell in love with the music because. All the pretty women were listening to the house, house music. music. So you end up having a lot of success at FSU. Uh, first team All ACC your senior year. You guys won a national championship. What sophomore year, junior year? Yeah, sophomore year. Sophomore year. You're blocking for Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward, Ward Dunn. A lot of a lot of good players came through there. I, I was playing high school football at the time, and I'm watching Florida State on TV. And I I wasn't a Florida State fan. But I'm a football fan, and I loved watching that team. I, I made my high school girlfriend memorize everybody. All, well, not the linemen. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, like, all the skill position guys. She knew all four wide receivers. Really? She knew the running backs. She knew the D-backs. Like, I was – I loved watching you guys. I still remember I was a – I think it was a redshirt freshman. Charlie Ware was a junior. And it was in the middle of the game. And I, at that time, I wasn't getting a whole lot of playing time. They would put me in here and there. And the first time I went in, and Charlie Ward uh, was in, a, in the huddle, and I sub in the middle of the game, and I and as soon as I got to the huddle, his eyes just opened really big because I'm playing left tackle. I got his backside, yeah. and he's like, "You gonna be all right?" And I got my eyes like huge open. I said, "I got this. I got this." And I remember, remember who you guys are playing? Yeah, we were playing Virginia. I think we were playing. Okay. And uh, and that was kind of my first shot. You know, not getting in while the game was a blowout. Yeah. You know, of real being in the middle of the game with you know Amp Lee and all these other amazing players, Edgar Bennett who played yep. for uh, Green, Green Bay, Bay for a long time. You know, all these guys were in the huddle, and uh, and there I was as a redshirt freshman. You know, ex walk on playing for the number one team in the country at the time. I mean, I think practice probably got you ready for these games. You're blocking Derek Brooks. Uh, Andre oh, we, Wadsworth. Yeah, we plus, had, uh, we had um, uh, Sam Bullwer. Howard. Yeah, Sam Peter Co Bullwer. Peter Bullwer. I mean, practicing against those guys. Oh, I mean, that was in, that's how you tell that to everybody. I mean, I go. Against, we went against the best players, Marvin Jones. Yeah. You know, we're talking about some another of the Miami best, guy. Yeah, another Miami guy who actually took me under his wing when I got there. Um, going against these guys every day in practice just makes the game a lot more, e you know, a lot easier for me. It was just like you 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 playing against the speed, and that. You know, once you once you do that every day, then you get into the games. It's like the other guys are moving so much slower than the guys you go against every day. Mm -hmm. So the game just kind of slows down for you while you're at the game. So yeah, practicing every day against these players will just make you better. I remember you told me a story one time about when you brought Charlie Ward back to Liberty City or to, to Alapata. Oh yeah, we were playing at the Orange Bowl, and uh, I'm like Charlie Ward, uh, you know, want, you want to come with me to eat lunch at my mom's cafeteria? So there, there we were in the middle of the hood in Alapata on 13th Avenue and 36th Street having lunch, right? So, you know, the news people were there and, you know, my mom had a, this small cafeteria, but it had pictures of me and Charlie Ward and all the football players on the wall. So that was pretty cool. But then after that, I was like, come on, I'm going to take you by my old hood. 
So now we drive by Roberto Clemente Park, and the boys, and I'm in a, I'm in a pickup truck, and the boys see Charlie Ward, and they're like, that's Charlie Ward. That's Charlie Ward. And Charlie Ward's like ducking down, like he's a good old boy. I mean, he see he's all these gangsters. He's a country boy. He's like, Zeus, you grew up here? I'm like, yeah, man, those are my boys. We're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was that was interesting, you know, and we're still we're still tight up to this day. I always appreciated that because you know, as a, as a freshman or a sophomore, I forget what I was, a sophomore, you know, for him to take the time to get in that car with me to you know go see my mom because my mom was actually like a big deal in Miami, you know, because there she was, you know, we had a story about her bringing me to this country, and then now I'm playing at Florida State, and you know, so the news, the news, the newspaper, and all these news channels, they were always at the cafeteria interviewing her. So it was very cool for him to take the time to, you know, to go do that for me. You were talking about, you know, he was going to be the Heisman Trophy. Oh, he was huge. NBA, NFL, yeah. everything. I also remember you mentioning Randy Moss was there when he first came out. That was interesting. He that came dude, to FSU first. Yeah, that dude cost me about two national championships. Had he stayed, <laughs> had he stayed at Florida State, he was unbelievable. When, when, when we found out we were getting him, obviously none of us knew who it was. Mm -hmm. It didn't take long for us to realize who he was when practice started. And one of the things that Coach Bowden said was, hey, uh, Lou Holtz, I will bring him to Florida State, but he's got a red shirt, and he's got to prove to me for a whole year that he can stay out of trouble. Yeah. So he agreed on that. So here comes Randy Moss, and now he's on the scout team, okay, playing punt return with, you know, no offense, but a bunch of little white walk-ons, you know, on punt return. And he would just sit there and practice would just stop. And he would literally point to the other side, like, I'm taking this to the house. And sure enough, he would go one way, cut it back, and then next thing you know, there he goes, taking it to the house on the number one defense in the country. And then he was playing offense of scouting along with me against, you know, number one DBs, you know, Terrell Buckley, you know, all these, all these um, great DBs, and he was just burning them. I mean, he was just burning them. So, you know, here we are going into his retro freshman year, and we're thinking, okay, this is it. You know, with this guy on the team, we're going to be unbeatable. And, you know, he got caught doing something, broke probation, and ended up at Marshall. But it, it was fun to watch him, you know, play basketball with him. You know, I, I remember him dunking on one of my boys and the whole gym clearing out. You know, he was an amazing, amazing athlete. I mean, a special, special dude, as, you know, you saw later on in life. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget that he was at Florida State. That's why I, that, that story is always interesting to me. Weren't you around Dan Kendra, too? Oh, Dan Dennis, Kendra. Dan how Kendra you, come in. How do you, you know about Dan Kendra? Man, I was a junkie. I grew Dude, up watching this Dan stuff. Kendra was a special That's cat. That's why I'm going to ask about these I, I follow him now on Instagram, and he's doing handstands on oh, medicine balls. Him. Oh, you don't follow Oh, no, he's doing handstands on medicine balls. Like, what in the world? He was just out there. This kid was just out there. He was different. He was So he came... For the listeners who don't know who he is, Dan Kendrick came in as like the, the highest ranked quarterback, like Joe Ever. Montana, like same town as Montana yeah. or one of those guys in Pennsylvania or Dan Marino or somebody. And he's supposed to be the savior at quarterback for Charlie Wood. Well, he turns out turning into like a bodybuilder and puts on like yeah, 80 he, pounds of muscle. Yeah, he gets to Florida State. I, I basically learned how to eat from him. Like I didn't know that great did. chicken breast. And you, so he came in already have, you know, eating High chicken breast. And, 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 and potatoes without the sour cream and all this. So he kind of taught me how to diet. But, you know, he came to Florida State, started working out like an animal, gained like 60 pounds of muscle. So now he's like a robot trying to play quarterback. Yeah. So that, that didn't go too well for him. But, you know, he... They uh, moved him to fullback. They moved him to fullback. And, you know, he, he was, you know, he was just a monster. 
he was just a monster. His mentality was different. You know, he he wasn't a very outgoing person. He didn't have a lot of friends. He was kind of into himself, working out. You know, he always walked around with a huge bottle. You know, bottle, a gallon Jack of water. water. Yeah, he was a, he was a funny dude, interesting guy, but the nicest guy ever. Yeah. You know, you would sit down with him and he would talk to you, and uh, you know, it's it's crazy because you, if you pay attention enough to people, you always learn something from them. So, like I said, watching him, sitting him next to the lunch, and watching the way he ate. And I saw the way he looked, you know, I think that's one of the things that God gave me. I'm a student of the game. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're doing something and I like what you're doing, I'm going to watch yeah. and I'm going to ask. So I asked, so why do you eat this? Why do you eat that? You know, how, you know, I saw how good he looked. I'm like, well, I want to look like that. Yeah. So I just start asking and I learned how to eat from him. I think he was, he was eating other stuff too, but I'll just, <laughs> I'll leave that out of it. Um, yeah, I definitely got to follow him on Instagram. You know, what's he up to now? Is he like a trainer? Or something? I think he's like a trainer. He's into cars, uh, muscle cars. He's always, he's got one car that he always puts pictures of. He's interesting. You got to look him up. And I forgot to ask you, isn't Charlie Wood coaching like high school? Or Charlie Ward, or yeah. We're, we're in a chat room. I'm in a chat room with like 180 play, ex-players uh, from FSU. And uh, yeah, they were just congratulating him uh, last week how he got his uh, coaching job at a high school in Tallahassee. I think it's Tallahassee High. Okay. But he also got a spot for the university too. Like he's he's doing something also for the university. So he's going to be involved with the university. Yeah. Now they got a new head coach, Um, and I'm actually going back uh, in the middle of April for the spring game, and they're going to have like a halftime old timers football game so I'm going to get in there and try to play receiver or something like flag or something yeah it's like flag you, just, <laughs> you, you, you try to play something you never played before so well you've dropped about what 70 pounds yeah I'm, I'm about there. 70 pounds lighter right yeah. now I'm going to drop 10 more before the spring game this guy lean, lean and mean now he doesn't look like a, an I'm, offensive tackle oh I'm going to be out there with my flags hanging out and <laughs> some wristbands tight end I can uh, see you at oh tight end. yeah so your last game of your career at Florida State is at the Orange Bowl against Notre Dame Correct. Yep. Yep. That's quite a quite a finish to your you, career. You know, it was interesting that the whole Orange Bowl thing. We actually ended up playing in the Orange Bowl three times. So you know, being from Miami and getting to play in three Orange Bowls, yeah. and we won all three of them. You played in the actual Orange Bowl too. Yeah. The yeah. old stadium. Yeah, the old stadium. Yeah, yeah, all those Orange Bowls, they were all there. Yeah. The stadium still went up, and yeah, that was our last game against Notre Dame, and you know, we actually beat them. Interesting. We never lost a bowl game while I was at Florida State. So we won four ACCs in a row because we started in 92. On my freshman year, we played in the Cotton Bowl, um, and we won that game, but we weren't in the ACC yet. Then we won the rest, the rest of the years that I was there. But yeah, it was always cool you know, to come back and you know, play at the Orange Bowl in front of your family, friends where you grew up, uh, you know, missing curfew, staying out late. That was always fun. <laughs> you didn't get caught, though. Uh, yeah, I got caught. <laughs> I had my little brother sleep in. For me in the bed, and they they actually caught on to that. Wow! And they uh, they actually they threatened me not that I wasn't going to start, you know, the, the, my last game at the Orange Bowl. But came the day of the game, they actually put me in. Interesting story that 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 game, uh, me and um, Trey Trey Thomas. Trey Thomas was my backup. So here's the story: Trey Thomas and Walter Jones were both my backups, and they both went first round and had one long just, NFL careers. Well, right? one just got inducted to the Hall of Fame, Walter Jones. Walter Jones got these two guys couldn't beat me out my senior year. Yeah. So Walter Jones get redshirted because he couldn't beat me out. The yeah. next year he was like the number fifth pick. Now he was a you know now he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And Trey Thomas played for like ten years, one of the best left tackles ever played for Philly. Yeah. So I remember I remember this like if it was yesterday, it was the last drive 
of the Notre Dame game. If we score, we win. If we didn't, we lose. And it was Trey Thomas' turn to go in because we were like switch every two series. And he's like, Zeus, this is your last game here. Take it. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to forget that. Like he understood, he was only a sophomore at the time, that I was going to be my last game. And he wanted me to take that. So, I, you know, I've, I've reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I just wanted to thank you for, you know, giving me that opportunity to get that last drive for us to score my last, you know, probably real game ever yeah, played. You know? That's real cool. So, like you said, maybe your last game you ever played, you ended up going, getting a little shot with, what, the Vikings? No, it was uh, Kansas City. Kansas City. I got a, I got a shot. It was, it was kind of interesting how I even got there because I was projected to be uh, second to third round. Um, you know, I was getting calls from all the teams. Where are you going to be at? I was working out like an animal. Did they do pro days back then? Yeah, they, did of course that. they did that. So I actually got invited to the combine, which, you know, you know, they don't invite everybody to the combine. I mean, I kicked butt. I, I went over there. I didn't there. know you went to the combine. Yeah, I went to the combine. So right after the combine, they, you know, they saw my, you know, my speed and all these things. And, you know, I had made ACC and, you know, I had a good reputation of working hard and just being, you know, kind of a team guy. And then um, as I was working out, so after the combine, I started really working out even harder because we had a pro day at Florida State. So two or three weeks before pro day, you know, I went out one day um, and I was on my way to Subway and I see these two girls on the side of the road broken down. So I said, you know what? Let me pull over and help them. I already had bought a Mercedes with the money I didn't have because I thought I was going to get drafted. <laughs> right. So now I got this big. Was old, that an advance from an agent? Yeah, that was an advance from I don't even know who. It, I can't remember. But I knew I had a Mercedes with no money. That's yeah. all I knew. Yeah. And then I'm driving down the street and I pull over to the side of the road. And as soon as I get out of the car, I hear this noise. So I, and I'm like, oh, man, what is that? So when I look back, I see like a truck coming at me. So I try to make a run for it. This truck hits my, my Mercedes and then smashes me in the back. So when it hits me, I flew like 20 yards down the street, down the road, and I split my pelvis. I broke my wrist, took all the skin off my face. Now I'm sitting there on the ground, basically can't even move, looking up like going, what just happened? What just happened? So that kind of put, set me back where when the, when the pro scouts came to Florida State two weeks later, I basically couldn't even walk. I mean, I had to learn how to walk. Once you split your pelvis, you pull everything around there. Uh, in your lower abdomens and your legs. So I had to kind of like almost learn how to walk again. So by the time they got there, they were like, well, what happened to you? So I told them. So the day of the draft came, they thought, well, they said, don't worry, you're going to be fine. We talked to the doctors. But the day of the draft came, first day came by, nobody picked me up. Second day, uh, nobody picked me up. But right after the draft, I got a call from the Cowboys say, hey, you know what? All our offers alignment at this time, you know, Emmett Smith was still there, but all the offers alignment were old already. And they had taken our center, Clay Shire. They're like, you know what? We want to bring you in, too, as a free agent. So, you know, we popped bottles of champagne. I was always a Dallas Cowboys fan. I mean, I grew up watching Randy White, you know. Uh, um, too Tall. Too Tall Jones. You know, all these. Jeff Coat. So, we started celebrating. Then 20 minutes later, I get a call from the Cowboys saying, hey, you know what? We can't bring you in because of your risk, your liability. If you're hurt and you come to practice, we really can't let you go if you're hurt. So I was like, oh, my God, now what? So then nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole because I got hit by that car. So Trouble passing a physical maybe, yeah. too, stuff like that. So, so I had to sit out the entire year. So basically, I already had graduated, but I stayed at Florida State, lived, you know, friend's house. Trained there. Trained there year-round, went out every day, just kind of lived the college life without going to college for another year. Yeah. And then the pro scouts came back the next year. So obviously, Florida State gave me the opportunity to work out with the seniors. 
So when I went back out there, again, I was ready and I, you know, I was moving like a cat. So the Kansas City Chiefs called and said, hey, um, we want to give you a shot. So I ended up going to camp with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that was 1997. So that's how, that's how I ended up you know, getting a shot at an NFL team. All right. We've reached the keeping it a hundo section. Going to ask you some questions. Keep it a hundo. Keep it a hundo. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? Keep it a hundo. Keep it 100. Keep it 100? Yeah, keep it real. Okay. Keep it honest. Got it. Who would win in a game of one-on-one? Jesus Christ versus Jesus Shuttlesworth, since your name is Jesus in English. Considering that, you know, my boy lives in my neighborhood, uh, I'm going to take Ray Allen. Yeah. Yeah, Ray. Uh, Ray's the man. We, we played ball with Jesus Shuttlesworth, actually. Yeah, he's, 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 a, good, he's a good man. So you got Jesus... Shuttlesworth over Christ. Okay. Basketball or football? Basketball. I and it. I wish I would have been a basketball I player. I, I mean, I love football, but basketball is my passion. I mean, I was just too fat. <laughs> but so I, I meant to, to talk about the uh, fantasy camps. Oh, fantasy That's camps. That's kind of interesting. You've done fantasy camps all over the place. Yeah, it's interesting. Fantasy camp is weird because you're actually paying the player. Instead of somebody paying you, you're paying them. Yeah. But it was good because... You just meet so many, so many interesting people. Obviously, the people that go to these things can afford to pay $5,000, $10,000. So I've met a lot of lifelong friends now through these camps. So I enjoy... Good business contacts. Yeah, too. good business contact And just, just, just friends, you know, sometimes you have friends, but then you have these friends where they don't need anything from you. You can call them to ask them for advice. You know, and I've always said to myself, if you're the smartest guy in the room, Zeus, you're in the wrong room. You're hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah, you're hanging out with the wrong people. You can't be the guy with the most money. You can't be the best looking guy. You can't be the guy that's the smartest in the room because then you, you, you're just not getting nothing out of it. You I think need, I need some new friends. Yeah, well, I'm sure you got plenty of friends where, you know, they got money and, you know, good looking and then smart and they can always add something to your life. And I've always, I've always tried to surround myself because I find it more interesting when I can pick their brain. You know, when I can ask them questions and I know that they don't need anything from me. Yeah. That's all. That's always a sign. That doesn't mean I turn my back on my other friends. I just, I'm, I'm very interested in hanging out with smarter people that have done it. And, you know, like I've always, like I told you earlier, I'm a student of the game. So I like to, I, I take notes and ask questions and see what I can, what I can get from them to add to my life. It's good to stay curious. Yeah. Like, I think even with raising kids. I don't have any kids, but if I was, if they're curious in something, I'm gonna push them in that direction. If they're not, if they don't have that that hunger for something, they're not gonna be as successful. Yeah, it's so. funny. It's funny to tell about kids because I'm always asking other parents, like, "What do you do in this situation? What yeah. do you do with your kid like this?" And I'm always taking notes. And sometimes the way they talk to the kid is different from the way I talk to my yeah, kids. So yeah. I take it a little bit from them, just like at work. I try to steal a little bit from everybody. You know, Ray Allen and I always sit there after basketball, or Jamal Matchburn. We sit there after basketball and talk shop. It does, it's not always about work. Sometimes it's about kids. You know, what does he do to push his kids? You know, some kids need pushing. Some other kids don't. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you talk to them? How do you get the best of them? So that's always a challenge. And I don't think that's going to go away. And I'm just getting started here. The whole fatherhood. Yeah, young kids. All right, back to keeping it a hundo. What former teammate of yours would you hate to be stuck on a private jet with? And why? Well, actually, there's no teammate. I loved all my teammates. They all brought something funny. You know, that's the part I miss most about football was the camaraderie. the camaraderie. All these guys are funny. You know, I enjoy being on the chat room with them. I, I don't think I have one teammate that I didn't want to be around. They all brought something that I enjoy from them. That's a first. 
Patino or Calipari? Calipari. Calipari is my boy. Yeah. Man, he's he's. If you don't know Calipari, his marketing brain is at a whole nother level. You went to his fantasy. I camp, went to his yeah. fantasy ball camp. We hung out. He was my coach at the USA Basketball Camp. You know, he gave me his cell number when we when he picked our team. As soon as he picked our team, he went in his bag. He had brought us all Kentucky jerseys, right, to give us. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. But he knew right there and then we'll become Kentucky fans. Of course. Then at the end of the camp, he literally went to his room. Like we, we were in Vegas. He could have been out there gambling, partying, talking, doing whatever. He, he wrote personal notes to all of us on what he thought about us and what we should work on on our game. Wow. Like, who would do that, you know? Coach Calipari did that. That's so, cool. so what do I do from that? I come back to work and I start implementing those things at my job. Mm-hmm. So that's why these camps are so good. You learn from all these brilliant heads and you can bring it back to your life and implement them into your life. So yeah, Calipari is a man. You're a smart man. I'm going to take some notes when I leave here. <laughs> Appreciate that. Who's your favorite nurse of all time? My favorite nurse of all time, I would have to say uh, my BPO sales. Her, she's a nurse and she's just been... She's been with me for 10 years, and this lady's just brilliant. And I, I've, I take notes on her, the way she treats people, and she, the way she makes people feel. I always say, take time to realize how you make others feel, because that's what's important. My, my favorite nurse is my mom. She's been a nurse for my whole life, oh, so that was easy. she's still working. I just wanted to get that in there for her. There you go, Mom. Hey, Mom. <laughs> Jackie B. Jackie B. Uh, top five MCs of all time. Top five MCs of all time. Wow. Let's see. I don't know about top five. I got a couple. I mean, Run DNC from back in the days were, were one of my favorites. Uh, Biggie, Tupac. Um, and now, you know, I like Jay-Z. You That's know? four. That's four. Let's see. Who, who am I fifty? Got anybody local? Rakim. Okay. I, I mean, like I, I would say two like crew, but Rakim was a man. Yeah. Like, I used to I like his style. I like Rakim. He was, he was, he was cool. He, he was. wasn't hardcore, but he was just cool. Love it. That's a good. That's a good list. Yeah. Uh, Scarface or the Godfather? Oh man, Scarface! <laughs> I knew that was because for Italians, it's the Godfather. Yeah, I, I, and I get the whole Godfather thing. I get it. I, I like both. So my father makes me watch Godfather too every time. I, I mean, my my my, my father in law. Every time I go down to Key West, we have to watch Godfather too. Love it. Might but, be better than one. But he's seen it a hundred times, so he falls asleep and then he makes me watch it. But it's great lessons. Ah, just just great lessons so on good. those movies. And then obviously Scarface is just classic. Obviously, I came in the Maria boat lift, mm-hmm. so it's it, it was my life. If you right. if you notice at the beginning of the movie that everybody's sitting at the Orange Bowl right underneath that underpass, well, that was the same thing that I was in Kansas. They had it here, they had it one here, and they had one in Kansas right, where right, everybody right. was stabbing each on other on the I ninety five. On the I ninety five, same thing, but it was just in a different in a different state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miami Vice, the show or the movie? Oh, the show. The show, I love the show. The show. I mean, growing up watching that, you know, we started wearing the same pants. You, you wanted to look like those guys. Obviously, I was too heavy. Were you Tubbs or Crockett? Oh, Tubbs. I like Tubbs. Yeah, well, I, like, I like them both. They used to wear the Calvarici pants. I feel like you I, used to be Tubbs, but you're more Crockett now. Yeah, now, you know, now I, you know, now I try to be slick and, you know, dress appropriately to everywhere I go. You got the, the, the five o'clock shadow. Yeah. stubble on the face. Yeah, I don't have to shave. That's one of the things about being the boss. You don't have to shave. Uh, that's great. I hate shaving. I don't shave. I, I don't remember the trim. last time I shaved. Yeah, I trimmed too. Better women, FSU or the U? Oh, not even close. FSU is five to one. You got all the Georgia peaches. Uh, no disrespect to anyone, but you had all the Georgia ladies and then the Florida ladies. It was everybody known. I mean, Florida State used to be an all uh, girls school. 
back in the days. Really? Oh yeah. So that's why the odds are there. Wow. Five to one. It's there, still it was, five to one, you think? Oh yeah, it's still five to one. It was either Florida State or Arizona State, always the number one party school yeah. in the country. And Florida was sneaking there every once in a while. But. Yeah. Best sports movie of all time. <sighs> I lo- I love the blind side. There's a, there's a, this is, you know, obviously, oh, no, 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 let me take that back. I'm a Rudy guy. I knew it. I'm a Rudy guy. And I'm, I, every time I watch Rudy, I cry. Now I made my 13-year-old watch Rudy the other day. The same time the movie Rudy came out, we went to go play Notre Dame. And I was a walk-on, and, you know, I just, I just felt like I was Rudy. I mean, I really connected with that movie. You were like the hood Rudy. I was like the hood Rudy. I was like the Rudy that, you know, no one Rudy ever Rudy Crossway Scarface. Yeah. That, you know, Rudy, the guy who was never going to get a shot, the guy was just, it was just a big dream. It was never going to happen to him. But then all of a sudden, now I'm playing at Notre Dame. We actually watched that movie on the plane on the way there, which is incredible. We that lost that crazy. game. We lost that game. But, you know, the next game, you know, next week we won. And the rest is history. We won a national championship that year. That's insane. You watched that movie when you were going to play Notre Dame. When we were going to play Notre Dame. You know, there we are running in the tunnels. Like, things you see on TV, it's like, oh. I can't believe I'm here. That was your first time at the stadium? That too? was the first time, first and only time at the stadium. And the fans were sitting right behind you screaming. I mean, I went back two years ago to see Miami play Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. And that was my first time at the stadium. And I was in awe. I wasn't even playing. A lot so of history. I mean, how many yeah. years do they go back? You know, all the players that have gone through yeah. there. When we played them, I had to block this, this cat named Brian Young, who was yeah, just a, he was just a He's man huge, playing yeah. with kids. And he kind of threw me. And then they had another nose guard named Flanagan. I mean, these guys were oh, like, yeah, yeah. They, they were like on something. There mm-hmm. was no, these these guys were monsters playing with kids. I remember seeing Chris Zorich. Yeah, Zorich. Yeah, yeah, they were like, was... how do you get this big? I mean, they were just throwing us around. Thank God Charlie Ward would just sit there. And then, I, you know, Brian Young was having basically a straight line to him. And Charlie Ward just moved to the left. Woo, there he goes flying by. Like, wouldn't even touch him. I mean, he was just I remember moved. those games. Those Florida State Notre Dame games. Celebrity Crush. So past or present doesn't it doesn't have to be present celebrity you're married no no it's okay <laughs> celebrity crush you know i i like watching um denzel movies no it's not a crush but i just i i, I find him so interesting looking for a woman you're looking for a woman <laughs> well i mean if that's what you're into no 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 I, it's woman i can't even think of any oh britney spears <laughs> how about that when i was know? growing up and, you I know, like she that. came out with the little pigtails <laughs> and the high socks dressed like a like a scooter oh, oh yeah yeah that was it See, that's keeping it a hundo. That's keeping it a hundo. Britney Spears. Uh, who was your favorite athlete as a kid? My favorite athlete when I was growing up, huh? I would have to say Herschel Walker. Oh, I like that. The Walker. The Walker man was just unbelievable. You he remember hearing good. those stories about like him doing push-ups and sit-ups oh, and just I, like, I, being I, a freak. You, you, how can you not? You know, you grew up and you know you didn't have any weight, so you would do push-ups yeah. because you heard Herschel Walker made it yeah. just doing push-ups. And I grew up being a Cowboys fan, so when he got traded from Minnesota to the Cowboys, you know, he was like my hero. Like, I watched him, study him. Then when I got to Florida State, I watched this other guy named Anthony Munoz because oh, yeah. he played left tackle. And, actually and he was, met like, him. the best Hispanic He was the best tackle. No, 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 no. He was the best tackle. Well, that too. Yeah. He was probably the he, best tackle. He ever. was the best tackle ever back then. You know, obviously some other guys now. But, and I actually met him two or three years ago, and I told him. So my, I actually had footage on him where he used to block guy with one hand, right? So I started doing that in college. And then when I met him two years ago at the Jason uh, Taylor Foundation, I asked him about that. He goes, you know what that's called? So he, I said, what? He says, the one-arm pistola. Ah, the one-arm pistola. I would just go, and I imitated him because the guys would reach out for that outside shoulder and you stab him with that inside hand 
you know, I learned that from, you know, watching him. Favorite vacation spot. Favorite vacation spot has to be the Bahamas. Yeah, the you Bahamas. Do like hitting the Bahamas. I, I close love, to home. Yeah, it's close to home. You know, we have a boat. We, we do a little island hopping. There's a there's an island that's kind of far. It's called Harbor Island. They only have golf carts there, and they have like five or six you know five star restaurants. And, and you take a boat there. You no, there you fly. You can take a boat, but it's a long ride, so you just fly in, and then they have all. They, it's got. Place called Pink Sands, so the beach is I've just heard of that, yeah. it's just gorgeous. And then you basically got like five hotels right on the water, so you walk out of your room and you land on the sands, you know. And then that's kind of one of our family favorites. And then Key West, since my wife is from Key West, there's seven generation conks, so we go down there a lot. Seven generation. Seven generation, yeah. And my wife grew up there, her dad grew up there, his father grew up there, so you know they've been there a lot. And then you know now all the kids are moving back there. Uh, who knows? Maybe one day I'll end up at Key West. Last question. Uh, what's your death row meal? What are you eating? Wow, death row meal has to be... Oh, I will have a couple, but if I had to choose one, my mom's cooking. My mom's cooking just off the chain. That's what I thought. You know, the rice, something with rice, her just black basics, beans. Just something basic. Yeah, some fried bananas, yeah. you know, some steak. Some Plantains. Platanos. Platanos, yeah. You know, that's... Oh, Maduros. Maduros. You like Maduros or Both. I can't go wrong. I like but I, I like Tostones, though, because she make them crunchy, and then we put the garlic on the top. Oh, the mariquitas. I probably like hers better than... Um, so, better. yeah, my mom's cooking just been on point. I try to not to let her cook too much when she comes here, because then I just overeat. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't. I can eat and kind of stop myself, except when she cooks. It's like, I, it's like my brain tells me, you're not going to get this for a while, so just eat until you feel like you're about to pop. <laughs> and that's what I kind of do. So I'm like, all right, only once every month, you know, Blue Moon come over and cook for us. And we'll normally have enough food there for a week after she's done cooking for all of us. So what we get? Rice and beans. Rice and beans. Platanos. Platanos, uh, picadillo, or, you know, some kind of steak that she cooks. Yeah. You know, and she does the, the, the marisco, which is like seafood gumbo. Yeah. Off the chain. And, and we, we both like spicy. So when she yeah. does it, she brings, she brings the pain. I love so it. people come out of here crying and like, oh man, it's too hot. I'm like, all right. What are you having to drink with it? Oh, nice glass of wine. I'm a cab guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw outside, but I have plenty of California cabs yeah. that I've been storing for years, saving for years. And you know what? It's kind of my treat now. As I got older, who'd ever thought that I like wine? But that's I don't even really drink anything else these days besides you know some good wine. So food and wine for me is like how I treat myself these days. Same here. Uh, those those are signs of you getting old. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, I agree. Sophisticated man now. Well, I don't know about that, but I enjoy my food and wine. That's all. From Alapata to Cocoa Plum. From Alapata to Cocoa Plum. You know what? Anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. If you become a student of the game, if you watch people and you respect people and you care about other people's feelings, uh, I think that's really all you need. And then, you know, people always talk about, oh, Zeus, you're smart. I'm like, I'm really not. I just have common sense. You know, just well, there's a difference between. I think yeah. you are very, very intelligent. It's it's more of a. It's like closer to street smarts, where you know how to read people and, and learn from people, and you you teach and learn at the same time. I you know what I enjoy teaching. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they don't like helping others. I actually do. I, I love teaching. I mean, I wish I would have gone into coaching. There was not enough money in there, and I, I didn't like the hours. But uh, maybe one day I'll end up. I'm sure going to coach my kids. I know it. I'm going to be that guy that you know goes out there and. And, and, and get stuck into uh, coaching. Yeah. Hey, you want to help us out here? And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You can't half-ass it either. No, no. I, I've done it before, and they were like, oh, my God, you're so intense. I'm like, yeah, we're, this is serious, you know? And the parents enjoy it, you know? Like, you don't take it over the top, but, like, you, you teach the kids the fundamentals of discipline. 
The rest they can learn, on, you know, from other coaches or you either got it or you don't. Right. But I want you to take something out of this, you know. Yeah, you got to have fun, but you need to learn something while you're here. So I love coaching. Well, you're an inspiration, man. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate that, Matt. All right, brother. Good luck, man. Thank you. I really enjoyed hearing Zeus's story. I knew some of it, not all of it, but it made me feel good about this country again. With everything that's going on, it's, it's easy to forget that we live in such a great place. I know Zeus is thankful for the opportunity he had to come here as well. So keep telling those stories. I know there's a lot of them out there. D. Trump, I hope you enjoyed it, bro. And I hope everybody else did too. Thanks for listening and continue sharing uh, on Facebook and Instagram and whatever you can do to get it out there so we get some more ears on this. And keep telling these stories, immigrant stories that need to be told because stories like these are the reason America's great. One last thing before I go, I put out uh, something on Facebook about who I should have on as a guest, and I put up a multiple choice. I appreciate everybody's feedback. Got over 100 comments. I'm gonna have to put more out there to get more ideas and get more people involved. So thank you for that. See you next time on Keeping It a Hundred.